everybody and welcome. As you have already guessed, I am not Beth Davis. I'm Claire Dwyer and I work for the Avila Foundation. I'm the author of This Present Paradise, A Spiritual Journey with St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. And I'm a friend of Blessed Is She who's going to be facilitating one of the Well Mentorship Program um, cohorts this fall, maybe with some of you. It is just a joy for me to be with you today, whether you're in your living rooms or your minivans, or if you're like me, likely to be in your laundry room on any given day, um, as we break open the living word of scripture and allow it to transform our lives. Today, we're going to talk about drawing near to a God who draws near to us with reverence, but without ever any shame or fear. Are you with me? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with the wisdom that comes from your living word and scripture, and inflame our hearts with love for you. Give us the grace to receive you through your word, to transform our hearts and our lives and to reflect you back to a world that so desperately needs to know you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for being with us today. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you have been following the daily Mass readings at all lately, or even just the Sunday readings, you know that over the last few weeks, the Church has been taking us on a journey with Moses and the Israelite people out of Egypt where they've been enslaved for over 400 years. But the Lord heard their cry, and he answered their cry through sending Moses to deliver them out of slavery and to reestablish a covenant with them and to promise them again the land that he had sworn to Abraham and to his descendants. Now, it wasn't easy getting the Israelites out of Egypt, remember? Um, God had to send 10 plagues just to convince Pharaoh to let them go. And then once they had escaped and they were um, on their way out, Pharaoh changed his mind and started to chase them. And so the Lord had to part the Red Sea just to get them through. He had to send them miraculous quail, manna in the desert, and it was anything but easy. However, it would turn out that it was going to be harder to get Egypt out of Israel than it was to get Israel out of Egypt. Remember the story of the golden calf? The Israelites were ready to go right back to pagan worship the minute that Moses disappeared on Mount Sinai. They were whining and complaining for the free fish and the cucumbers at one point that they had in Egypt when they were wandering in the desert. Now, before we're too quick to judge Israel, let's just admit that we can do the same thing. We can go back to our idols and we're ready to enslave ourselves to our own sinfulness at our first opportunity. I mean, Jesus Christ came to set us free from sin. And yet how quick are we to go back to those things, filling our hunger, okay, maybe not for cucumbers, but filling our hunger for esteem, for comfort, for escape, whatever it might be, and enslave ourselves back to sin. So it's just this human tendency and we're not outside of it, right? Even so, even despite their sinfulness and their stubbornness and their fear, God wanted to draw near to the Israelites. 
He wanted to have a relationship of intimacy with him, but they held back. They held on to their old habits and their old sins. And so only Moses was allowed to have a face-to-face encounter with the living God. First on Mount Sinai, and then in the tent where God dwelt with his people, only Moses was allowed in to have conversation with God and see him face-to-face. When Moses would go in and have this encounter with God, it was so powerful and so glorious that his face was so radiant when he came out that the Israelite people couldn't even bear to look upon it. And Moses had to veil his face because they couldn't stand to look upon the glory of the Lord. Now, I remember when I was in high school, I went to school all the way in downtown Milwaukee at an all-girls high school, and I had to take the city bus 45 minutes there and back. And on my way home sometimes, if I pulled the string and alerted the bus driver to let me off one stop early, I would get dropped off right in front of our parish church of St. Bernard's. And I would do that sometimes. I would pull the string and I would get off the bus one stop early and I would go into that empty, dark church. The doors were always open and I would slip into the back pew and I could smell like the incense and the wax and that just the smell that churches always have. And I would look at the beautiful golden tabernacle all the way in the front of the church and see the flickering um, light of the sanctuary lamp. And I would just whisper to the Lord. And I loved God very, very much. But at that point in my life, he sometimes just seemed so unapproachable to me. I felt this distance between us, like the sea of my own unworthiness. Maybe you felt that way sometimes. And honestly, maybe that's the way that Israel felt before the Lord. And it would be that way for Israel for a long time. Generations after Moses, the Israelites would establish the temple in Jerusalem. And every day within the temple, they would offer daily animal sacrifice to God on the altar. Now, the temple was huge and beautiful. It had many courtyards and areas within it. But behind that altar was the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt. Now, only priests were allowed even near the Holy of Holies, and only one priest, the high priest, was allowed into the Holy of Holies, and even then only one day out of every year on the Feast of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. You see, the Jewish people knew and understood that it was an awesome thing to be in the presence of the living God. It says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, for who can look upon the face of God and live? So what happened when the great high priest, Jesus Christ, offered the sacrifice of himself once and for all on the altar of the cross, when he gave himself to God the Father for all of us? We are told in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, that at the moment that Jesus died, the veil of the temple that separated the temple from the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. It says in scripture, the earth quaked and the rocks were split. You see, the old covenant at that moment had been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. 
and our worship would never be the same. Jesus came to establish a new covenant with us. And because of that, we have access to the Father in a way that our Old Testament brothers and sisters could never dream of. We were created for intimacy with God. Remember Adam in the garden walking with the Lord? Sin destroyed our ability to have intimacy with God. But Jesus Christ came to restore it and to elevate it in a new and incredibly powerful way. The prophet Isaiah said, On this mountain he will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the shroud that covers all nations. That's Isaiah chapter 25, verse 7. And Monsignor Charles Pope, in a recent reflection on our readings, says that this prophecy is fulfilled that the moment dies on Mount Moriah, that is Golgotha, and the veil of the temple is destroyed. Now, remember that teenage girl sitting in the back of St. Bernard's Church. Fast forward 30 years. I remember distinctly more recently, I was getting ready to give a talk on the Holy Spirit to some catechists. And before my talk began, I found myself in a little chapel all alone in front of the tabernacle with the Blessed Sacrament. And as I prayed, I found myself slowly inching closer and closer and closer to the tabernacle until there was only like this much space between me and Jesus. I just felt drawn to him like a magnet. I couldn't resist being near to him and I felt so clearly that he wanted too to be near to me. Have you ever had the experience maybe on a retreat, maybe on a Blessed Is She retreat actually, where the priest has Jesus exposed in the monstrance and brings it right up to you and you just feel the gaze of Jesus and you just gaze back upon him and it's very reverent and it's very holy but it's very intimate. This is the kind of relationship and this is the kind of closeness that the Lord desires for us. Remember what the priest says in every mass, behold the Lamb of God. So we go from who can look upon the face of God and live to behold the Lamb of God and not just live, but have eternal life. It's amazing, but when we consume Jesus in the Eucharist, we become a temple of the, of the whole Trinity, in fact. And the Lord desires this intimacy with us. When you're baptized, you actually become the temple, and you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling within you in the fullness of their, their glory. In his book, The Lamb's Supper, Scott Hahn says, that when Jesus Christ comes again in glory, he will not come with one drop less glory than he has at every altar and in every tabernacle of every Catholic church. In your local Catholic church, Jesus Christ dwells in the fullness of his glory. And he calls you to meet him there so that he can communicate that glory to you with intimacy as your brother, as your friend, as somebody even more than that who desires union with you in a way that we can only dream of. There's a popular song that I'm sure you've heard about. Actually, it was popular around the time that that teenage me was sitting in the back of St. Bernard's Church, and it's a song called From a Distance. And you know the song I'm talking about. I won't torture you by singing the song, but the refrain goes, God is watching us, 
God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Now, while God is the Lord of history, and while he knows the big picture of your life, and he knows the big picture of all of history, God is not watching you from a distance. The Lord is not removed and distant. The Lord knows every detail of your life, and he's concerned with all of it. And he wants you to know this today, that he wants to talk to you about everything in your life. He's concerned with every detail that's going on with you. He wants to have intimacy with you and, and converse with you with familiarity and with love. If you feel that the Lord is remote, if you feel that he sees you like you see from the view of an airplane, right? Like little ants, those little cars on the freeways that look so small, if you think that's how God sees you, please, please know that he is very near to you to the point of dwelling within you. I want to encourage you to take maybe 15 minutes this week to go to that church where Jesus dwells in glory and spend time before the tabernacle. And if you have the privilege of having the Blessed Sacrament exposed in adoration, to spending maybe 15 minutes in adoration with him. And I would like you to ponder this passage. I invite you to spend time with 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let me read that again. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, I want to leave you today with one final story, just something to ponder. This story was told to me by a professor that I had in a class on Eastern Catholic spirituality that I took several years ago. Now, Eastern Catholics are in full communion with the Pope, but they have a slightly different liturgy than the Roman Rite, which was, is the liturgy that most of us are familiar with. And the interior of the churches really reflects that. In the nave of an Eastern Catholic church, separating the nave from the sanctuary, there is a huge screen covered with beautiful icons called the iconostasis. The screen is called the iconostasis. And the professor of our class in Eastern Catholic spirituality was explaining that there are two doors on either side of the iconostasis where the deacons or maybe the altar boys would go in and out of the sanctuary. And in the middle of the sanctuary are the holy doors. And he said that only the bishop can go through the holy doors or the priests, but only then if they're carrying the gospels or the Eucharist. In other words, those holy sacred doors are reserved for Jesus Christ himself. Now, our professor was telling the story that one day he was in an Eastern church, he's part of the Eastern Rite, and he was praying in the nave of the church. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw a gentleman and his little daughter come into the church. And he could tell from the way that they were looking around that they were not uh, familiar with the church, that it was their first time there. So he went over to the man and began a conversation. It turns out the gentleman was a Protestant pastor. 
And so my professor began to explain the beautiful imagery and the symbolism in the church to him. And they were so deep in conversation that they did not see that the little daughter was walking straight up the aisle toward the sanctuary. And they saw her just in time to see her put her hands on the holy doors, push them open, and walk straight in to the sanctuary. And at first my professor said he was horrified and his thought was, oh my gosh, this is a sacrilege. And then he heard the Lord's voice in his heart say, let the little children come to me. Now, I'm not suggesting that we rush into any sanctuaries or that we disregard the rituals and the symbolism of reverence, which honestly, as a church and as a culture, we desperately need today. And in a lot of ways, we're seeing a return to. But I am saying that we never forget that that's the kind of intimacy that the Lord invites us into and desires for all of us. Will you remember that this week? Let's pray together that we never forget it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for drawing near to us, despite our sinfulness, despite our hardness of heart. Never stop knocking, Lord, on the door of our hearts. Give us the grace to open to you and to draw near to you. We know that you want so much more for us than just the hem of your garment. You want to give yourself entirely to us, Lord. Give us the grace to receive you and to give ourselves to you. Thank you for the living word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless all of you this week.